Swanson to first. to win the Super Bowl, and they have sealed the deal. The long wait has ended after a half century. The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions once again. And Lightning has struck twice. And the Tampa Bay Lightning are back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. Good day and welcome to episode 129, The Soothing Sounds of For Future Considerations. My name is Matt. Manuel is here as well. Jonathan is here. Gentlemen, how are we? How was the weekend? A nice, everybody's just going to be a, I feel like we got a calm episode coming. Very zen. What, where, like are you guys, where are you guys at right now? Alan Allman, <laughs> wishing you good night. Are we just like the cleaning helper shot as Matt hosts pillow talk here? <laughs> That's right. Grab the one you love. Bring them in tight. Let's talk about the world that we live in today. What happened to our co-host? What the hell's going on here? I know he doesn't seem nearly as ragey as he normally does. Are you talking? Do you have baseball on the menu? Because uh, can we keep this same guy? Or you're going to talk baseball? Is he going to lose it on us again? You know what, guys? I'm just happy to be here with you. Happy to be <laughs> conversing about all the sports that we know and love and. No hard feelings anywhere. No hostility. Let's just all get along today. Wow. Matt obviously opened the mail that I sent him. I sent him some pills to mellow him out. So here here we go. <laughs> they were Did in you? the shape of the Flintstones. So I just... <laughs> it says on the thing, like, only two for children. So I just took six because I'm, you know, I'm just a little bit over 200 pounds on a good day. So... Trying to, to even things out, you know. Those That's weren't right. vitamins; those were gummies. <laughs> Dude, six, but no wonder you're mellow. Six. I knew, I knew, I knew something was wrong because what I was expecting to move didn't. So it must have been something else that I was taking. <laughs> they weren't blue pills. <laughs> Let's just say someone is disappointed, but I'm very zen and very calm. Can we talk to her on the podcast? Let's get her thoughts. <laughs> Let's just talk about our feelings tonight, hon. Uh, speaking of feelings, got to express the love to Christina Van Dorst, also known as the sister of Manny Pava. Happy birthday, sis. This mm. is the birthday edition of For Future Considerations. Do you guys have any birthdays coming up? Uh, I can't think of anyone else, but yeah, happy birthday to her. My God. We'll celebrate on your behalf, Christina. That's right. Do you guys follow what celebrities you share birthdays with? Anybody got uh, any good ones? No. Not I looked it up have once. the worst. Really? You I have the worst? The, I've got Kenneth Branagh. Who, if you enjoy Shakespeare, maybe I've got the best. And Raven Simone. Those oh, are the wow. only two people that I know of that have any impact celebrity wise. Wow. It's a it's a bad uh, it's a bad uh, celebrity birthday. I guess they're probably sitting there thinking, oh, I share a birthday with Matt. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I have Margaret Cho, Paula right. Patton, and Frankie Muniz. <laughs> oh, so four people that aren't funny. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I've, actually, I've actually got some pretty good ones. Um, I know John Elway. 
Um, you know, so we were just separated at birth, really. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Mel Brooks, he's still alive, oh. right? Isn't yeah, he still actually, alive? Mel Brooks, Mel Brooks has died director? three times. And he's... Really? <laughs> Kathy Bates. Okay. Oh. And uh, Elon Musk. So... Oh, my. <laughs> So most of them are really good birthdays. So you've got uh, a guy that's going to Mars, a Super Bowl champion, and an Oscar winner. Yeah. And John Rashad's got Margaret Chow. (laughs) (laughs) And Mel Brooks is still alive. I just looked at him. He is still alive? How old is he? Uh, he was born in 1926. I was going to say, Mel Brooks might be pushing episode 129. (laughs) Yeah, he's 95. He's 90, 95? I was going to say. Yeah, wow. turning 96 yeah. this year. 96 on my birthday, June 28th. Yep. Wow. Let's let's go to a baseball game, Matt. <laughs> June 28th. I got to remember that date. I got to put that in my phone. <laughs> hey, maybe John can come down and he can celebrate my birthday that weekend. What do you think? <laughs> uh, uh, he'll he'll be down uh, on the, the, the Mel Bricks birthday year, I think, is what we're going to be seeing. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, man? If you if you get to ninety five, I'll come down and visit. <laughs> Listen, I'll tell you right now, there's no way I'm making it to ninety five. That's pretty easy. <laughs> Manny, come have a gummy. Enjoy, relax. <laughs> oh well, we're off to a great start, and we've got two episodes this week, not just one. Two. The OT returns on Friday. That's right, and we have lots to debate in this episode, so let's jump right into it. On the draw, Helm up with it. Here's McCarr, there's a goal, Arturi Lekkonen has scored, and for the second straight year, he sent his team in overtime to the Stanley Cup Final. The Colorado Avalanche have advanced to the Stanley Cup Final for the first time since 2001, sweeping the Edmonton Oilers on a goal by Arturi Lekkonen. And before we talk about the future of the Oilers, were you guys shocked that it was a sweep? Always, especially when you get to this uh, level in, in the playoffs, uh, sweeps don't normally happen. And, and for the you know the Colorado Avalanche, and, and we saw that I guess in the similarities with Tampa Bay and Florida. Um, to see that series end up was a sweep was a surprise. This one probably not as much as a surprise. It just like Colorado is just a different beast, and they're they're really showing this. They're, at this point, you know, when you look at the teams that are left in the Eastern Conference, I mean, if you're going to give me the option of taking Colorado or the field, I don't think that's in any debate. And it's probably been a while since. There's been that kind of separation between some of the better teams in in the league. Um, it's always a surprise for the sweep, and I think the biggest surprise of, that comes out of it is uh, I don't think Edmonton was necessarily that bad. Uh, I, you know, they blew some leads. They certainly could have won a couple of games. We very well could be talking about this series at two two, um, but. You know, obviously Colorado is Colorado this year, and and they're uh, they're selling everybody on the on the fact that this is their year. So always a surprise when it's a sweep, but when you look at the team that we're we're talking about, they're uh, they're on a roll for sure. Yeah, I agree. They just they look like you said, absolutely unstoppable. I can't see anyone stopping them on their way right to the cup. That's great for me because I picked them to go to the cup and win the cup. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm like you guys. I'm shocked. 
after all, we're going to talk about the Oilers here, I know, in a second, but, you know, Connor McDavid's the best player in the, in the league, right? And he gets swept. So that's a little troubling, but Colorado, like Kale McCarr had five points in game four. Yeah. He's a stud. And then you've got Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, and and you pick up like our Arturi Lekanen who sends his team to the Stanley Cup final for the second straight year with an mm-hmm. overtime game winner. Like this this guy's amazing. It's uh, the tough thing for Colorado or, or anybody that's playing Colorado, I should say, is yeah, you mention all of these guys and just how outstanding they've been uh, in in the playoffs and those top top players, and and then you look a little bit further down, you know, you've given up in in the playoffs. Devin Taves has thirteen points this year. Comfer's got five goals. You know, like you're you're looking down the list of some of these guys that okay, if we can stop McCarr, McKinnon, Landis Cog, and Rantanen. That I think we're okay. Oh, oh wait, Nazem Kadri is a point per game in the playoffs. Like they're just so deep that you know you're you're having to to watch their defense just as much as as the guys out front, and they're doing it with their backup. Yeah, and uh, I saw Darcy Kemper was the backup in Game Four, so maybe he returns. Kadri gets hurt, and they still win. Like big question for Colorado is Kadri will be back in time for the Stanley Cup Final because. As Matt mentioned, point per game guy. They just don't fall off trees, right? That that's a huge part of your lineup. Yeah, absolutely. And now let's talk about the Oilers and how do they make a winner out of Connor McDavid, arguably the best player on the planet, and again comes up short. Well, I I think it starts in goal, doesn't it? Like yeah, uh, I think the Oilers are the first team in Stanley Cup playoff history to lose three games when they've scored five or more goals. And it happened twice in this series. They lost 8-6 in game one. Six goals are supposed to get you a win, guys. They scored five goals in game four and lost in overtime. They blew they blew a 3-1 lead, 4-2 lead in game four. They The game was close in game three. It was 2-2. Bouchard hits the post. Comfort comes out of the box and squeezes one past Mike Smith where you hope that he would get it. I think they need to find a goaltender at least to help keep them in games. That's where I, I would start. I agree because you look at that game four, two two-goal leads, and both times I thought, well, this lead's not safe. This Colorado's coming back for sure, and it only took a couple of minutes. Yeah, and ultimately, the biggest problem that you have, we talk about goaltending, and we've got to find a new goaltender. Mike Smith's 40 years old. <laughs> like, even, even if he was 29, this is a problem, and you need to find a new goalie. This guy is 40. <laughs> like, you can't count on this guy for, for much of anything after this. Meanwhile, you've got Jesse Polvari, you've got your boy Manny um, Yamamoto, Brian McLeod are restricted free agents. You've got other guys that can drop off. Evander Kane, you're going to have to make a decision on him and what you're going to do there. The defense has never really been uh, a strong suit. Um, I really didn't like Evan Bouchard in, in that that series at all against Colorado. It's got the offensive side, but the defensive side, he's, he's just a... a He's missing something for sure with that group. And Tyson Berry is a lot of money. Duncan Keith is a lot of money. 
they got some money tied up in some pretty serious places for what would be below or right around average uh, talent for that that part of their depth chart. Now, Mike Smith still signed for one more year. And how old is he, Matt? He's 40, guys. <laughs> and Mikko Koskinen is a free agent, so they only have one goalie on their roster, mm-hmm. really. And I don't think they really have any young goaltenders coming up in the system. So, um, you know, I, I guess you could start to debate about where when Connor McDavid's going to get frustrated and won out of Edmonton because – Sooner or later, he's got to win something, and he can't do it by himself. For sure. Well, McDavid was doing everything in that series and the series before, so maybe he just quickly skates back and stops pucks too. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine that? How much more? (laughs) And staying with hockey for the moment, the Boston Bruins are just the latest team to make a coaching change. They fired Bruce Cassidy after six seasons on Monday. So now there are six NHL teams looking for a new bench boss, plus three more teams still with interim coaches. So we received the question from Todd and Hamilton, which job is the most attractive coaching vacancy? It's a good question because there's some interesting locations, at least for the most part, of, of where some of these teams are and, and where we might see um, <clears throat> any sort of possible changes and, and some locations that we probably didn't necessarily expect. I, I mean, for me, the, the most attractive is the Dallas Stars. I think with Jake Ottinger and what he showed at the playoffs, he showed that he can be a number one goaltender for sure. They've got a pretty decent farm system. A few different places I looked at is, is top 10. They do have some young talent on there. They've got Jim Nils as a general manager who's, who's excellent. Ownership is pretty solid. Probably a decent place to live, I would imagine. And that that division is not outstanding either. And that's always where we kind of uh, end up looking at, at these kind of uh, quick changes and teams that have come around. I mean, Dallas makes the playoff this year. Colorado's obviously a, a different beast. Minnesota, St. Louis, Nashville, Winnipeg, Chicago, and Arizona are the other teams in, in the division. If you've got to finish in the top four to make the playoffs out of that division, you should be in pretty good shape. So I would think Dallas, for me, is probably the quickest turnaround, biggest gains for a, a new head coach. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. I think um, I think Winnipeg is a – well, Winnipeg's a great hockey market if they want to be in a hockey-mad market in Canada. And also, I think for someone who uh, may be a little bit younger, might love to work in Vegas as well. See, those are both really good guys. I like both your picks. Like – if, if I look at Dallas, um, you know, they have a really good roster and there's no state income tax either. So uh, you don't have to worry about that from a personal side of things. But I look at those contracts around Jamie Ben, our boy, Jamie Ben, Matt, and Tyler Sagan. Jamie Ben is 32 and has three more years left at nine and a half mil. Tyler Sagan, five more years at 9.8 mil. I don't, I don't, those, will those contracts become an albatross? I don't know. Uh, Winnipeg, they have two first round picks, a good farm system, Mm -hmm. pretty talented roster. Um, I just don't know if anybody, are you going to get a big time free agent to go to Winnipeg? You know, I, I don't know if you're going to attract that guy to get you over the top because somehow I think you need to make a splash. You know, everybody's going to say Vegas because it's Vegas. And they seem to have a Stanley Cup roster. 
It's <laughs> Vegas. But their farm system sucks. Yeah. They don't have any draft picks because they've traded them all the way. Yeah. And their roster's getting older. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say this Boston Bruins squad isn't so bad. Now, bear with me, right? Be- because their roster <laughs> is going to be this roster is going to be <laughs> awful till December. No Marshan recovering from surgery. McAvoy recovering from surgery. Grizzly, Grizzly, recovering from surgery. Bergeron doesn't know if he's coming or going. I think he stays. I think they got to find a way to keep him and have him retire as a Bruin. Like Patrice Bergeron in another uniform just seems weird. So bear with me. You go in to that roster. It's going to suck at the beginning because you have nobody. And all of a sudden, you make a run in the second half of the season. You're going to look like a coaching genius for turning this team around. And even though you're just getting guys healthy again, right? Yeah, as a coach, you can go in there and go, hey, look what I did. So I'm going to throw Boston out there. What do you guys think about Detroit too? Like, do you think that they're too young and that maybe whoever gets a coaching job there isn't around when they're good enough to win? Or do you think that their their future is closer than that? I think that was the role of Jeff Blaschel. Uh, I think he was the bridge guy ultimately. Um, you know, it, it's it, they're in a, in a they're in a funky part of um, of development or, and where they are as far as I'm concerned. They're they're probably not the most attractive place to be for an older coach. They're probably not too new or too under the radar for a brand new coach that can learn as a head coach amongst the young players. You're kind of looking at a guy in the middle, um, and it's more so for me, again, and we've talked about this before, uh, an assistant head coach, or an assistant coach in the National Hockey League. Um, I'm starting to get a feeling, and this is from no insider whatsoever, uh, even though I do have many friends in Europe. Um, I think the Red Wings are going to make a jump. I think they're going to pull somebody from Europe that's going to come over and be the first from Europe head coach in the National Hockey League. Really? That's a big prediction. That is. I, wow. I, I, I like Derek Lalonde in Tampa uh, is a name that I've mentioned. There's probably ties there with Steve Eiserman, and there's probably some some guys there. I really think they lean on that that Richard, uh, the, the Romberg um, <clears throat> train from Sweden, or they're looking at uh, somebody else that they could possibly pull uh, from one of those development camps in, in Europe. I thought you were going to recycle Ralph Kruger again. You know, he was in Europe, went to Edmonton, got canned, went to Buffalo, got canned after um, some time in Europe. Is he going to come to Detroit? I think there's other names probably on that list, <laughs> I would suggest. <laughs> well, you look at Detroit, they got great young building blocks, right? Like mm-hmm. Mo Sider, Lucas Raymond. They've got a pretty good farm system. You got the eighth overall pick, right? The only bad thing is the rest of your roster sucks. Yeah. After Dylan Larkin, you don't have much of anything else. And you play in the toughest division, don't you? Yeah, I wouldn't want to be in that division with a young team, that's for sure. 
Yeah, there's definitely some pluses and minuses in there. So there, again, uh, always love when the coaching debates come up, and I love the way that it's dead quiet right now with any of this stuff. Um, and I'm sure very soon after the playoffs, and whether that's because a lot of assistant coaches that are still around are trying to get on these interview lists or teams have them on the interview list and they have to wait. Um, but I would assume the coach's hot stove is going to heat up very soon. Can we all agree that the Flyers are the worst? <laughs> the worst <laughs> yeah, we didn't scenario? even mention them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's... Uh... <laughs> Okay, how about this? The, I'd probably be looking at uh, some Tier 2 teams first before <laughs> jumping on the Flyers job. Okay, so of the interim guys, Edmonton's got an interim coach, Chicago has an interim coach, Florida has an interim coach. Are they all keeping their guys? Woodcroft, Edmonton, Bruno, Andrew Brunette in Florida. It's Chris King, right, in Chicago? Yep. I, w- I would say they're all going to stay. Um, I think King would be the only one that I would be a little bit wavering on. I know you're uh, you're not a, a huge sell on on Jay Woodcroft, Manny, and we could go back and forth on on that too. And we have now that they've been swept out of the playoffs. But I think he's a very good coach, and I think he's got a lot out of that team. Um, so I th- Derek King, by the way, not Chris King. Derek, Derek King, King, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and. Yeah, I, I would expect he's going to stay. Um, I think they're. Uh, I, I think they're pretty high on him. I think he did a pretty good job. And speaking of coaching changes, the LA Angels have fired manager Joe Madden on Tuesday in the midst of their twelve-game losing streak. What are you guys' thoughts on that decision? Twelve losses in a row. You can't fire this. This sort of screams to me that you can't fire everybody else. So you fire the manager and hope for a turnaround. I don't know if they'll be able to do it. They got off to that such that great start, right? Like they're still in the thick of it. So I, I guess I give – I don't know what to think because I, I give the ownership credit going, we don't want to lose any more games and get out of the race. We're still in this. Let's make a change while we can. But Joe Madden's a pretty, pretty smart baseball player or baseball manager. Joe Madden got effed by the Los Angeles Angels. This is your guy. This guy was in your organization for 30 years. He's your manager for two years. He finally comes back. He finally becomes available. And you jump on him with some goof GM who I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Perry something or other. You've got the fourth highest payroll in baseball. You've got the two best players in baseball. You've got a team that went 20, what did they go, 27 and 17 to start the season. They lose 12 in a row. So what team What team are you firing here? The, the manager who got you 10 games over 500 at the beginning of the year? Or the manager that lost 12 games in a row? Or the guy who's got a 500 record as a manager in your organization? Or the fact that you have the fourth highest payroll, the two best players in the league, and you can't do shit? Not in just in your division, let alone make the playoffs? You went out and bought Anthony Rendon, who's extremely overrated. You hoped that Noah Syndergaard was, was literally Thor, 
the, the, the actual comic book hero that would be able to come back and restore his career is <laughs> with the hammer actually wanted to like you brought this guy in and he had been with your organization since the very beginning and this is how you repay him that is bullshit as far as i'm concerned i think the angels are one of if not the worst baseball organization because their ownership is a he's a billionaire art moreno's a three and a half four mil billion dollar guy they always have a massive payroll because who wouldn't want to go to play in la they can do it across the street apparently you guys can't put a baseball team together we'll just throw you the two best players in baseball and you can't be over 500 you're over 500 10 plus games at 500 and then lose 12 games in the same season and you fire the guy and we're at the beginning of June. Stop. This is terrible. So you (laughs) think the GM should have been fired, not the manager. You can't fire all the players on the team, but you sure can fire the guy who built a terrible team around two of the best players, if not the best players in baseball. So, yes, if you have a very bad development program, and this Perry guy, this GM, I don't know anything about him. He hasn't been there very long. But who have they brought up in the minor leagues other than Joe Adele, who's been pretty below average? Yeah, he's not very That has any excitement in this organization since Mike Trout came along. You bought Otani. You've been able to convince Mike Trout to stay. It's basically all you've accomplished but we're at the, you know, what what are we really at here? We're at the 55-60 game mark, and the but manager goes because you're in a losing streak? Stop. But, it, but he's the decision maker, right? Like, yeah. this is it for him. He's going to lose his job at the end of the year if they don't make the playoffs. However, in saying that, I think he knows that this is it. He's trying to turn around the franchise now. For sure. Then this guy was so he replaced Billy Epler, who was also junk, and <laughs> in 2020, and he's got he's got a four year deal, so his deal is up at the end of next year, anyways. So he, this is just his last prayer to try to get this team into the playoffs and get Mike Trout literally a playoff game. I, I give him credit for knowing the awareness, right? That he knows that this is it. And he's got to push them over the top. And they're still only a game and a half out of the wild card. So I give him credit for having an awareness. You can't fire the other guys, Matt. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm sort of in the middle of this. Like for, I see what Matt and Manny are both saying. For me, I always think about baseball in a way, um, not of individual games, but series, right? You think, okay, he's lost 12 games. But how many series is that? If you go and win six in a row, you win two series, all of a sudden you're looking pretty good again too. And that's easily doable. You sweep two series and all of a sudden you're, you're looking great again. So this seems a little early to me. I know 12 games sounds like a lot, but when you look at it in, in series, it's really not that big a streak over the course of a season. Yeah, and baseball, really, till June 1st does not matter what those numbers look like because they're all going to change. Once the weather gets warmer, everything's going to change. I, I don't think where we're looking at baseball right now is even a really good picture of where some of these teams are going to be. But look at the Angels, 27 and 29, eight and a half games out of the playoffs. 
They've got a run differential of plus 10. They're 15 and 14 at home. They're 12 and 15 on the road. They're 11 and 14 against teams over 500. Did anybody really expect the Angels to be any good this year? Are they like one of those teams that's floundering because they should have won the division or they were one of these teams that everybody really liked and thought it was uh, they were going to be the, the sexy pick or whatever it is? I don't think so. I don't think they were really expected to do much of anything because the team that's been put together ain't very good. You've got Mike Trout and Otani, and both of them have struggled in comparison to who they are. So Mike Trout's batting about 275 right now. Otani's batting about 240. So, yeah, when they're struggling, the whole team is going to struggle because the rest of the team is not very good. And that's not Joe Madden's fault. Can you believe what we just saw? This is incredible. You know, guys, I got to be honest. I have goofball. Unbelievable. My God. And now it's time for our play of the week. And the winning play is voted on by you, our social media followers, is from the world of collegiate sports. That is lifted deep back to the track and robbing the home run is Katie Kistler bringing it back into the yard. Katie Kistler of the Florida Gators makes an unbelievable grab at the wall to rob UCLA of a home run at the Women's College World Series. That was quite a grab. That was a, quite a grab. That was a heck of a catch. It was t- we had two great catches uh, in the pool this week. Mm-hmm. One from Major League Baseball and then that one by Katie Kistler. And that Kistler grab was outstanding. Yeah, that was that was a heck of a catch. Deserved to win. Yeah, I agree. Oh, there was no that. soccer option, so what are you going to do? <laughs> Although I... We got to be careful when we post soccer because then uh, the social media, social media arbiters will come in and take away our accounts for a little bit. So we got to be careful when we post social media, uh, our soccer social media. Uh, However, that Alfonso Davies goal is still outstanding. Still did. I'm glad that Canada's back from their strike, which I totally agree with, by the way. Um, but if you want to see our plays of the week. Go online. They're brought to you by London Awnings, quality that shows. Yeah, so on Monday, we will pick your four options. The Canucks aren't playing right now, and we can't post soccer, so Lord knows where we're going to get some of these plays. But <laughs> Hey, the Nations League is on. Okay, Ren- there we go. Ronaldo. <laughs> Ronaldo. Has he got a, a, any more videos of him showering or anything like that? We got him uh, pouring milk <laughs> over his head or anything coming up? Listen, <laughs> If we did that, our we would be through the roof. Our account would be through the roof, and you would be on my case even more so than you are with Alfonso Davies' retweets. You know, I, I tried to do something like that, and they took the billboard down after three days. So <laughs> <laughs> You just needed bigger coconuts, that's all. <laughs> I'm trying. I took the wrong thing today. So we'll post the videos on Monday. You get a chance to vote. Facebook and uh, Twitter, Podcast FFC, uh, and you can uh, take a look at those, and we'll absolutely share the results with you at our next episode.
And now on to other topics. Two-time major winner Dustin Johnson has resigned his PGA Tour membership to participate in a new golf series backed by Saudi Arabia's Sovereign Wealth Fund. Um, he acknowledged, too, that he knew that Saudi Arabia has a terrible human rights record and then joined their tour anyway. <laughs> Do you guys think this is a smart move or not? Listen, the, I, I read somewhere that he said it was because uh, of his family. He, he wanted to spend more family time. You know, He cited his family as a reason for doing this. The main reason is money. He's getting a $125 million payday to play on this tour. $125 million. <laughs> and he made the decision when just three months ago he said he's fully committed to the PGA Tour. Sure you are. Here's a blank check for $125 million. Listen, I think if this Saudi Arabian tour goes belly up, he'll be welcomed back with open arms to the PGA. If his $125 million check bounces, I'm sure he'll be welcomed back to the PGA. This is all about making his making his money when he can. I'd love for the PGA to say no. Uh, you know, they're, they're, in what world is that possible? I, I don't really understand this story, and I'm still trying to, to wrap my head around it. But, like, even the PGA, like, can't you just go after this Saudi investing wealth fund or something like that? And be like, hey, you're, you're taking our money from us. You can't do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking whatever or I'm suing for whatever and this and that. I, I don't even think this league gets, gets off the ground. I, I don't know how it's possible. To me, this is like a renegade league that you're you're kind of starting from your, your backyard, but it just so happens that you've got $80 billion to invest in it, and we'll see what happens. But, of course, it's for the money. There, you can't be putting that kind of money in front of somebody who has a Canadian wife and say that you want to spend more time with, with family, so you're, start, you're joining the league in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Brady tried this. You know, he wanted to spend more time with his family. Yeah. S stayed home for six weeks and said, I'm back, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy's literally going as far away as you can be on the planet from his family, yeah. unless he's planning on bringing them, which if he's smart, he's not doing that, I hope. Like, D Dustin Johnson literally moved days away from his family. It's a different day there right now than it is here. <laughs> Honey, I'll call you Friday. Your Friday or my Friday? <laughs> Gotta go. Driving into a tunnel. <laughs> a sand dune. <laughs> With, I can't hear you. I have too many dollar bills stuffed in my ear right now. I'm just hanging out with my cousins, George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> Are they on dollar bills? Does that make sense? Yeah. First two presidents I could think of. <laughs> Yeah, George Washington's on the one, I think, right? <laughs> a, he's got a lot of ones. He's yeah, got a that's lot the of bill ones. I'm most familiar with. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a lot of ones. That's pretty good. When Wouldn't we you all, do that? Wouldn't you take like a million dollars out of the account and just get them all in one dollar bills and just throw them out of the window of a hotel or something? <laughs> <laughs> 
isn't that when you did nine? Isn't that when you did nine years ago this week? (laughs) (laughs) Those were nickels. (laughs) (laughs) She she couldn't break a (laughs) twenty. Oh, so that's why everybody in Chicago was going, "Why? What's with this funny money?" (laughs) (laughs) Are you ready? And now it's time for rapid fire, and we receive some questions to get our thoughts on some of the NHL awards. Now that the hardware is being handed out, so who wins the Vesna as top goalie, guys? Shesterkin, Markstrom, or Saros? Oh, it's got to be Shesterkin. Like it, I don't think it's even close, is it? Are you picking anyone else? No, and I would put it in the order that you you read it off too. I, I think Markstrom would be second, Saros would be third. Well, I think it's Markstrom. No, you don't. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> Who invited you? Stop it. <laughs> and what about the Norris for NHL's best defenseman? Hedman, Yossi, or Makar? That Maker kid is pretty good, man. Is it Maker? <laughs> no, it is Makar. <laughs> oh, I was like, what? <laughs> Have I been saying it wrong all year? <laughs> <laughs> that Maker kid makes a lot of things happen. That Maker kid <laughs> makes things happen, I tell you. I've, I've always let, I like the story of Roman Yossi and, and all of the numbers that he puts up. And there's very few defensemen that really the entire team just filters through him, right? Like he is the quarterback on the power play. He's their best offensive weapon. He's one of the best defensemen in the league. He would be the guy, like you were saying, Rashad, at the beginning uh, about the Edmonton Oilers. You don't need a goaltender. He'll skate back and play net for you if you really need to. He's an incredibly valuable guy, but Kale McCarr is just next level, and, and that's that's the way hockey is going. He's, he's the most valuable defenseman. There's no question. There's no question about that, and you're right. Like If, if we look at the Nashville – Predators records now for franchise records. Yossi's name is all over it. Yeah. Right. And isn't it stunning to think that we're thinking Victor Hedman is the third best defenseman <laughs> in the National <laughs> Hockey League? But that's really, I think, how the voting will go down. I totally agree. I think Kale McCarr is winning this hands down. And who wins the heart as the MVP of the league? McDavid, Matthews, or Shesterkin? It's always tough to say this now because of mm-hmm. what we've witnessed in the playoffs, but we have to remember that this is the regular season MVP voting and it does not impact the playoffs, which is kind of a bummer too. Um, Cause I mean, it's obvious where we would go with MVP if we were including the playoffs, but if you're going to include the regular season, uh, Austin Matthews was the best player in the regular season uh, in the NHL. Yeah, I agree. I kind of you kind of forget about him after you watch all the playoff performances, but I think you're right. I think it is Matthews. Yeah, like the guy the guy scored 60 goals. Yeah. Right? Like the first player to do that since Stamkos did it 10 years ago. So as much as Connor McDavid may be the best player on the planet and what he did was remarkable. I I just think it's Austin Matthews. To lose, right? McDavid led the NHL in scoring for his second straight season. He had 123 points in 80 games. Like, that's that's crazy. Yeah. We're talking stupid numbers here. But I also think part of the reason is McDavid won it last year. 
So people are like, oh, let's give it to somebody else. And hey, this guy scored 60 goals. Nobody's done that in 10 years. So it seems pretty obvious that Austin Matthews is going to win this. It's amazing the way you talk to and, and you make a great point in saying that and how it almost sounds like we take so many of the players that are on this list for granted. Like we've got Victor Hedman as the third best defenseman and we're saying Connor McDavid wasn't as great as somebody else where it's just like, <laughs> oh, he won it last year. But you know that's how people are thinking, right? Yeah. yeah like Victor Hedman's like, yeah, I mean, he's good, but look at these guys. Look at, look at what these guys did. Like, yeah, but it's Victor Hedman. He's, you know, he's unbelievable. So it's it's always so funny when you see some of these names and when you go through that, like, yeah, we got a goaltender as an MVP candidate, and everybody's like, not a chance. Look at it. Uh, how, how often has that happened? You know, it, right. it was uh, an, an incredible year for uh, for a lot of these guys. I agree with you, Matt. It's like uh, for MVP of this podcast, too. Like, I was the MVP last year, and I had just as good a year this year. But, I mean, you guys have really stepped up your games, and now I could be number three this year. Like, how does that happen? I think you're actually number six. I think there's a couple of fans who are listening who might get more mail-in votes on the ballot this year, Rashad. I can tell you who ends up at the bottom of that list. And I owe beers on Friday night, so... <laughs> and we also received a question from Melissa in Windsor, who says she's waiting for our take on the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. Did you guys pay any attention to any of that? Oh, no, oh, Melissa. No. <laughs> Not at all. Did you guys pay attention to that? Um, I heard some of the the grosser details of it, just hearing it on the news, but I purposely went out of my way to try and avoid it like the plague. And then I did listen to the verdict on the day it came down when I was at work. And that's as much as I know about this. I hope the two of these people, they go away and we never hear from either one of them ever again. You're a news junkie, Rashad. I know. Yeah. I purposely went out of my way. Two things this year, the new Adele single and this trial are the two things that I tried to avoid like the plague this year. I, I really thought this would be right up your alley and, and you were just in it for the pooping and the verdict. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you're sixth, Rashad. <laughs> I really thought this would be your thing. Right. She pooped in his bed. She took a page out of your notebook. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't become the club Rashad for nothing. <laughs> Hey, when's the, when when are they going to do the next Pirates? Like, isn't somebody going to jump on Johnny Depp's bandwagon? Right? Like, everybody else in the world followed it. I, I, I tried to avoid it like the plague. Yeah. But I, I'll never understand this, the interest in something like this. Johnny Depp and Amber Heard don't know who you are. They don't care about you. Why do you care so much about what happened in their life that they've got it on television. People are following this every day just to hear that she's crazy. She's crazy. (laughs) He's crazy. Why do we care? It's true. It's the poop. It's got to be the poop. (laughs) It was was the poop. (laughs) The the poop got you. The the cake on the Mona Lisa got me. (laughs) <laughs> it's okay. Don't you know, pump it up. 
You've got to pump it up. And we have another pump it or dump it submission. This one is from Cordell in Ottawa. The song is called Shotgun by the band Soccer Mommy. So, boys, pump it or dump it. The band is Soccer Mommy? <laughs> Good name, eh? That's a great name. I don't like the song one bit, but the band is... The band name makes me think I want to pump it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I've lost both of them, ladies oh, and gentlemen. No. I've lost both of them. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I was there the first time you asked a soccer mommy if you wanted some <laughs> shotgun, so. <laughs> I heard this, I thought it was a perfect match. <laughs> so you're pumping it too? Are you guys pumping it too? This song is nothing more than a lullaby for my kid. <laughs> this is about as boring a song as you. Who in the studio finished this up and press play and listen to start and finish? Like, yep, that's a hit. <laughs> I agree. This is dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rashad comes over the top of the steel chair dreadful. with dreadful. <laughs> Sorry, Cordell. Try again next week. Sorry, soccer mommy. <laughs> when there is a song lyric that mentions cold beer and ice cream, and I still hate the song, there's a real problem. There. Seriously. That's the breakfast of champions for you, isn't it? <laughs> I heard that's just a three-day Canada Day menu. <laughs> And that does it for another debate on Rapid Fire. <laughs> Great show, boys. <laughs> and we are back this week with another edition of the OT. And not just anybody. We've got the MVP coming on for the OT this week. The OHL's most outstanding player. Windsor Spitfire star, Dallas star prospect, Wyatt Johnston is going to be joining us for the second time. And we'll have to remind him that his season really started taking off after he was on the show the first time. Episode 49. We had him on two weeks later. He's a first round pick of the Dallas Stars. Who says we don't turn everything into gold? You are welcome. <laughs> we deserve at least a big cut as his agent. Seriously. We are like the Saudi Arabia Sovereign Wealth Fund. <laughs> Drop it in here like, hey, come with me. Thank you. We'll take care of you. And there's probably somebody listening in now who's like, nah, you're more like Amber Heard on a bed. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I feel like the mattress. <laughs> and you don't change the sheets afterwards. <laughs> Pooping on the bed. <laughs> 
Oh, well, I don't know about you guys, but I pooped after this episode. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, do you want to get in touch with us with questions or comments? <laughs> Send us an email at fourfeatureconsiderations at gmail.com. Remember to follow us on social media as well. Podcast FFC on Twitter and Instagram. For Future Considerations on Facebook. And listen, guys, wherever you listen to this podcast, do us a favor and do yourselves a favor. Like, you know this is at least a two and a half star podcast. Just rate it already. At least. Where else are you going to hear poop jokes and details about Joe Madden getting fired? Really? In the same 40 minutes. And a band called Soccer Mommy. <laughs> Manny Shotgun. <laughs> I love the fact that John breaks the poop joke and is still laughing a minute later at his own joke. He's the best. He stopped listening. This part might have gotten, might get cut off in the final edits. He might have just <laughs> faded out on his line. I don't know if this is actually still being aired or not. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to run upstairs and say to Jill, and then I said. <laughs> <laughs> That's what makes him uh, sixth place on the MVP ballot and for future considerations. <laughs> we want to thank our sponsors on this episode, too, if they still want to be sponsors. London Awnings, Quality That Shows, and Shane Topolovic of Next Level Athletics, specializing in sport and training and nutrition. <laughs> and soccer. And mommies. <laughs> you know what's sad is I was thinking the exact same thing. Like that's he terrible. Was, I, I saw him. I saw him this past weekend. He was. Uh, he stayed for a little bit of Crossley soccer game at uh, the Ford Test, Test Track. Amazing. I asked that's him amazing. for any advice I could pass along to the kids, and he just gave me the finger and left. <laughs> He went to go. He went to go look for soccer moms. Yeah. <laughs> How old are these kids? Uh, where Where do the parents sit? <laughs> oh, let me go help her to her car. <laughs> well, thank you guys for listening. We will talk to you, like we said, on the OT later this week on Four Future Considerations. That was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Their mentality's awful. Their attitude's awful. It's been their M.O. for the last three years. Tonight I saw and heard one of the most disgusting, rudest, sick demonstrations in my entire career. Probably the worst. It's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. You're still here? It's over. Go home.